And it is so great to be here. You can have a seat if you want. Uh, if you want to move up closer, you can. I know, I think the first few people that came out were like, I'm going to stay away from everybody by sitting in the back shady area, and then everybody just joined you. So there you go. How's that? Uh, but I'm glad you're here. And for all of those of you who are watching us live online still, thank you for tuning in. We miss you, and we understand why you're not here by all means. So we're glad to still have you with us online. But it is so good to see our faces and our smiles and just to be together again, even like this, outdoors. And what a gorgeous backdrop we have. So today, I'm going to start our new series in Ephesians 6, and I want to begin by just going out on a limb. And I would say, I dare say that every adult that's out here tonight knows the topic that we're covering. You're feeling it, and you're probably more aware of it right now than you ever have been before. So we're starting a spiritual warfare series, and the title of this whole series is standing strong. And you can't help but notice with what we have going on with our economy, with a virus, with you, you name it, natural disasters that keep popping up like every other weekend. There is something out there that's brewing that is noticeably different. And if you're aware of this, you can see that we are fighting a battle, a spiritual battle. So in this third and final section of the book of Ephesians, this is actually our church's third series in the book of Ephesians. So we're starting in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to go through verses 10 through 13. And I just think it's really amazing that when I mapped this out like over a year ago, it took us a few more weeks to get here than I had planned, but God had this specific passage ready for us on a day like today. So here we are, Ephesians 6, and um, I don't know if you have any things that annoy you in your life. Does anybody, anybody getting a little more perturbed? A little bit, a little bit of things coming under your skin right now, just a little bit <laughs> with the way things are right now. For me, I could do without having a Zoom call for the rest of my life. I don't know about you. And I mean, I'm a pastor, so I will have a Zoom call, don't worry. I'll probably be on a Zoom call with some of you. But, you know, right up there with checking my voicemail when I don't get a text, uh, there's some things in life that just make me step back and take a deep breath. And the specific topic that we're going to start out with here is actually another one of those things. Believe it or not, it's people's view of our enemy, Satan. All right, for so many people, you can either fall into one or two extremes when it comes to how you look at Satan. For some people, it's just like... Um, they, they believe that Satan is behind everything, every bad hair day, every flat tire. It's the boogeyman. Uh, the, the devil made me make every single bad decision I've ever made. And, and you want to just go dark into the, you know, you're all into the zombie apocalypse type of stuff. I mean, I call this person the Stranger Things fanatic. They're just, they get dark, they get gruesome, and they, they, they almost glorify Satan too much. They look too, give him too much credit. And then you have the other extreme. And this is the person that just doesn't like to think about anything spiritual or anything that they can't understand or put their hands on themselves. And for them, it's got to either be science or it's got to be reason. And if you dare mention the fact that there's spiritual forces, there's some dark force out there, they look at you like you're a hunter-gatherer and uh, you have a serious problem with science, right? You, you see what I mean? Like there's really two extremes. 
And if you, if you go to either one of those extremes, you're in a dangerous place because you're right where Satan wants you. You're ignoring him, and you're allowing him to prowl around like a roaring lion. He's ready to devour people who either give him too much credit and, like, go headfirst into the occult-type things or the people who want to just ignore it and not talk about it. But today, we're going to get a balanced view of that, and we're going to look at this chapter here in Ephesians 6. So we don't want Satan to be trivialized and turned into a character. And we don't want to look at him as the boogeyman and give him all the blame for everything. But the reality is more and more apparent that we aren't just living a life in a utopia and, and going for this blissful life it, that's like eating from an endless carton of Mayfield ice cream. That's not life. That's not real life. And I think with what we're facing right now, we're starting to realize that more and more. If you learned anything from, and if you're learning anything right now from social distancing and from this quarantine, may you remember this. Life is too short and the stakes are too high for you to take this warfare lightly. The spiritual warfare is not something that we can laugh at. And what we're doing tonight, gathering together for a worship service, you know, we value this more now. And it's not just something to do when you feel like it. When you don't feel like gathering and going to church, you actually need to do it even more. And it's not something that you should just do when it conveniently fits in your schedule. Gathering as a local church to come together and worship Christ and pray together and sing together and be on mission for something that's bigger than yourself, that's all a part of the church. It's a part of spiritual warfare. It's a part of loving others and being a part of this battle. So we need this. And if we don't have this, if we're not aware of it, we will be cut down spiritually and we will become defeated. And when we don't get that strength and that encouragement, when we, even if we don't have an opportunity to serve and, and to give out and to extend what we've been learning with, with our neighbors and with our friends, we will have problems. And there are so many churches out there that are filled with fair weather Christians and it's, it's the thing to do with, to come and get a nice, convenient program tailor-made for you. That's not what this church was made for, and that's what, not what this church will ever be about. We know that we aren't living in a picnic. What we're going to see in this passage is we're living in a battlefield. And sometimes getting spiritually cut down and attacked is obvious. Other times it'll sneak up on you. And it'll happen before you even realize it. That's warfare, and that's what we're going to see in Ephesians 6. So take your Bibles, look at verse 10, and I'll tell you this. Uh, as we read the text together, this is about as easy of an outline as you're ever going to get. Uh, you can make this outline with me in like one minute, okay? So I'm going to read this. We're going to read verses 10 through 13, and I want you to look for all the action verbs. I'll give you a huge hint. There's only three of them. And those are going to be our three points today. So, like, read with me Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Paul is starting his very last words here. He's like, all right, finally. I've said a lot. And we've, we've had two series already in Ephesians. We've learned a lot of great stuff. And this is his last words for the Ephesian church. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. 
Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And the first action verb you see is be strong. That's our first point today. Let's keep going though, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That's our second point today. Armor up. All right, you're going to have to take up the whole set of armor that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. There's your third verb right there, stand firm. You see that outline? You see how easy that is? It looks pretty simple uh, at, at first glance. It looks pretty, pretty standard, straightforward. But even though I've given you my whole outline, I want you to see here, this is not as straightforward as it initially may seem. Because I could give you these three, these three actions, right? You know, be strong, stand firm, armor up. I could say those, those three things could be in a, in a documentary on the Discovery Channel. Uh, those three things could, uh, you could have that as your motivational, psychological motivational pep speech. It could be, it could be something physical easily for a workout regimen, whatever. But if you just leave it at that, you're missing the spiritual context that's surrounding all of this. Because everything surrounding these three tangible physical things are spiritual things that you cannot see. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood. This is not straightforward eyes on it, I see the enemy. We're talking about spiritual forces of evil. And it's a spiritual battle that you can't see with your eyes, but if you're aware, you can see the effects of it just like you can see the effects of the wind. And this passage is also teaching us that we don't just have to be spooked and delve deeper into the underworld like a character in Stranger Things either. Now, I have nothing against the Discovery Channel for all the science people. I have nothing against the people who watch Stranger Things. I don't watch either one of those things on TV myself. I'm just using that as an example. We're going to move past that, and we're going to say that we can withstand the spiritual war being waged against us by the enemy by wearing the spiritual armor made available to us by God. That's what this passage is teaching us. So the first point to spiritual warfare victory is be strong through an inner strength that's outside of yourself. TV went, didn't it? All right. That was a really big gust. Couple people, yeah, thanks guys. Uh, I, yeah, I'm surprised we won't break anything. Last time we did one of these services, we did break a few things. And you know what? It's worth it to be out here together, even if we have to buy a new TV. I don't care. Spiritual warfare is a real thing, all right? But we'll, let's not let that distract us. We're not talking here about being strong as a person and just gutting it out, doing whatever it takes. To be strong in the strength of his might, and that's a passive middle. It's talking about spiritual strength that's not in yourself. It's allowing the Lord to strengthen you in a way that you can't physically see or you can't really even explain. The power needed to withstand is not produced by you. And this is something that um, you could write this down. The power to withstand is not produced by you. It's actually poured into you by God. Do you see what's, what this text is saying? There's a big difference there. 
And the phrase strength of his might in verse 10, that word strength there in the Greek is the word dynamite. And that's where we get our English word dynamite. We're not talking about a watered down strength. We're talking about an explosive, dynamic strength. And if you feel like you don't have power in your job, if you feel like you don't have influence and you want to make a difference, but you just don't think you can and you feel like almost enslaved to your checking account, if that's you today, we aren't talking about an inner strength that comes from having a bully pulpit. We, you don't need a title in front of your name. It doesn't need employees. You don't have to have followers looking at you for influence. We're talking about an inner strength that doesn't ebb and flow from the demands and the pressures of the status quo. We're talking about an inner strength that doesn't fear what man can do to you because we're living in a different spiritual dimension for a different purpose. Like we talked about last week, you can walk over anxiety because you're not a sheep without a shepherd. You have one and, and you can be too hipster for what everything else that everyone else is living for. Doesn't that sound good to have that kind of inner strength? Who wants that right now? Like, can you use some of that right now? I know, I know I could. To be strong through an inner strength that's outside of yourself. And this is what verse 11 tells us. It's how to get this. And that's what this whole series is about. To put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Put on the whole set of armor. Armor up and don't miss one piece of armor. The enemy is going to attack you where you're most vulnerable. That is spiritual warfare. He's going to try to turn your strengths into weaknesses by making you proud and blinding you to the spiritual urgency of using it for something and someone other than eternity. When you see your strengths for this world, um, when you use your strengths for this world and you put all your energy into that and you don't have the vision to make an eternal difference with that, you are actually losing a spiritual battle. So we have to realize that we can't mix and match this armor. You can't wear the breastplate of righteousness and then wear sweatpants. Because if you're missing one of those pieces, the enemy is going to attack you where you're most vulnerable. He'll attack the weak link. And that will derail your entire life. So this is the second point. You can be strengthened with an inner strength that's outside of yourself by, number two, armor up with God's spiritual gifts. He is providing those for you. And we are not going to press too far into point two right now, today, because the rest of this chapter and the rest of this series, we're going to go into the details about these gifts. But we are to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the sandals of peace. All these things that we have at our disposal are gifts from God. And He wants us to use them all. The only way to fight a spiritual warfare is to use the spiritual armor that God's provided. So we will go into that, but for now I want to leave you with this, this question. Are you using the whole set of armor? Are you in the word, the word of God right now? Because the spiritual warfare is real. And the Bible never actually says that you have to read a certain amount of the Bible every day. You know, it just never says that. So don't, don't feel a guilt trip that you have to be in the Bible for a certain amount of X amount of time, this, this day, this day, and this day. No, the, the thing the Bible commands is that you meditate on truth. That you, you can listen to that truth through 
through scripture, through singing, through a lot of things, through prayer, but you are commanded to meditate on it. And when you are going out, are you on a gospel-driven walk with the message of peace? Are you filtering everything you hear through source, the, the source of truth, the word of God? Because I realize, and I, and I think we're starting to see this, that 90% of what you hear out there from mainstream outlets and other people isn't always coming from the same worldview. And it's a lot, oftentimes it's coming from the other side of the spiritual battle, the other, the other side of the battlefield. And I know that um, you know you shouldn't believe everything you read on the internet, but there's more information out there than there is correct information out there, a lot more. And we have to be ever aware and diligent to seek truth. We'll cover all of these, but you have to answer the question as you prepare for this series, are you missing any of those pieces? The stakes are too high, and our enemy is too crafty to afford to miss just one. Look at verse 13 again, right there in Ephesians 6. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. You armor up so point three, you can stand firm in the evil day. It's that simple. You have to armor up so you can stand firm. You can see why this series is called Standing Strong, right? In James 4, 7, we have this same Greek word for standing and it's translated another way. It's translated to resist. So to stand in this context has the idea of standing in resistance. When everyone else is bowing down and conforming and complying without thinking about the motives of the people who don't have your interest in mind, you are standing up. Just like in the Old Testament story where Daniel shared about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't bow down to that huge idol they stood up when everyone else was bowing down. They stood in full resistance. And you aren't going to bend the knee to anyone but your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need more Christians who are going to stand firm in the evil day and not bend their knees to the lies and the deceptions that is swirling around them. And to do that, you have to be awake to the fact, the fact that we're in a spiritual warfare battle. I think a lot of us, you can see where I'm going with this, a lot of us are starting to feel more aware of this. Anyone more aware of this now than you were at the beginning of March? I hope you are. Um, the effects of the fall have been very evident in 2020 if your eyes are open. A lot of things going on. I mean, you had Kobe Bryant and his daughter and all those people die in a helicopter crash. Um, we have seen tornadoes, virus outbreaks. All of these things are a result of the fall, but that's just the surface level. And this passage is telling us there's something deeper going on behind a lot of this stuff. We have to understand that in this life, conflict is inevitable. It is inevitable. It's not a question of if conflict will arise. It's when and how conflict will arise. It's not a question of if you will be slandered. It's who and where and how. They'll talk about you. It's not a matter of if your marriage will be attacked. Your marriage is going to constantly be attacked. It's spiritual warfare. Our enemy is a schemer. You can see it in the text right there. And that word, Greek word for schemes is methodia. It's where we get our word method. He has an organized, methodical approach. He is quite literally a tactician. 
with strategies. And Satan can't be everywhere. He can only be in one place at a time, but he has legions of demons who do his dirty work for him. And they've studied humans for centuries, all right? They know how we tick. Satan has methods to divide the church. He has strategies on how to turn your individual life upside down. He wants your kids to rebel. He wants you to trust your job more than you trust in Jesus. He is a tactician with an evil plan. And he wants you to make your preferences and to put those over people. If you aren't aware of this spiritual warfare battle, you are going to be immobilized. And if you don't understand that trouble is inevitable, that it's going to happen in this evil day, you're going you're gonna to fall. Peace is not something that just happens overnight. Peace is actually in the spiritual warfare battle that we're in. Peace is something you have to fight for. You have to fight for it. Look again at verse 12. This is who we're fighting against. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. It's pretty, it's pretty heavy. So we're not just fighting this world. It's not just our flesh. We also have an enemy. His name is Satan. He's organized. He has principalities and powers. They have their own ranking system. They are spread out over the globe with their own territories. They know who the Christians are, and they know who's lost. And they are not taking a quarantine break. Their goal is to keep people away from Christ. And if you find Christ, their goal is to render you useless so you're not doing any more damage to this present darkness, and you're not shining light. You have to remember that Satan, our enemy, presents himself as an angel of light. He's never going to just come in and show his true colors. That's not his play. That's never his play. He always uses half-truths or kernels of truth mixed in with error to deceive people. Do you know where Satan puts his most effective content? Think about this. It's not at your local bookstore. It's not in the occult section, all right? Go to Barnes & Noble. That's not where you're going to find Satan's most effective tools. Many times, his most effective tools are right there in the Christian self-help book. It's right there in the Bible study where somebody gets away from what the Scripture says and they just start talking about their opinion. You can have a kernel of truth there, and if you mix it in with some air, it's not the most destructive thing immediately, but it gets people slightly off course. And as people go slightly off course, they drift further and further away from where The Lord wants them to be, and that's how our enemy works. You start thinking things like, well, hey, you know, Sunday morning worship, it's something I, I need, but I don't have to prioritize it. It's not the most important thing. You may be thinking, well, you know, there's a lot of ways that I can be filled spiritually. I don't have to hang out with Christians. I don't have to be in community. And there's a lot of other good things out there. But little half truths like that can get you so far away from where you need to be. There's a lot more of those. You have to be aware of them and look for them. He doesn't want to be seen as dark and scary. He wants you to assume that you know what's good for you. That is his play. He wants you to think that dabbling in small vices won't affect you. 
even though they will. He plants deceptive pictures and distractions to make you assume that you're fine. This is the spiritual warfare battle that we're in. I heard one commentator put it this way. Evil rarely looks evil until it accomplishes its goal. Evil usually appears attractive, desirable, and perfectly legitimate. It is a baited and carefully plotted trap. That's the gravity of the spiritual warfare we're in. And I know this is, I'm coming out punching today, right? I mean, we haven't seen each other in so long. We got all the kids here, and we're just talking about the nastiest stuff, our enemy that we could possibly talk about. But this is the passage that the Lord gave us. This is the series we're in, and we are in a spiritual warfare, and we have to stay awake. This is one of those, this is one of those sermons that is about awareness, but I don't want it just to be about awareness because I, it always bothers me when people go all in on awareness campaigns. Awareness campaigns have a purpose and they're good. I'm not trying to demean those. But if it's just about awareness, what good is that going to do for you? You need awareness for resistance, okay? So let's get into more of the resistance elements of this. Not everything seems nice. Not everything that seems nice and sounds sincere is Jesus. We have to wake up and be aware of the truth that the Bible is teaching. There are cosmic powers over this present darkness. And before we get into some of those specifics that you can apply to your life, let's talk about one more thing here. The demons that are working behind the scenes. The cosmic powers that are at work in this present darkness. This is one of those passages that a lot of times churches don't want to talk about. But it's right here. We can't ignore it. They're working behind the scenes through world leaders with the one world agenda that will usher in the Antichrist. And I know I just said a word that opens up a whole can of worms. And we don't, we, we don't understand all the ins and outs about that. I'm not telling you to go in on a big deep study in Revelation and make your whole faith about that. No, don't go to the, the Stranger Things nut job side of the whole thing. Don't do that. Don't also go into the, you know, Discovery Channel documentary and only believe in things that you can touch and see and hold and science, and that's it. We have to stay balanced here. We have to realize the Bible is teaching us that there is spiritual forces at play. They're working. And you can fill in the blank with a ton of secret society names. I could start naming them off. We might get our live stream shut off. I don't know. But, but I'm not going to be a conspiracy theorist about here. I'm just going to be realistic. You have to wake up to the spiritual battle that's out there. And all those groups, they're becoming more and more brazen. They're not even trying to hide anymore. Cosmic powers that are at work in this present darkness. I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm just telling us Satan is already defeated, but he is still fighting. He's not completely destroyed yet. He's still wreaking havoc like a kamikaze pilot who has nothing else to lose. He's still fighting battles, and he is fighting you. But the thing to remember, and this is where we start getting into the good news, even though he's fighting battles, Jesus has already won the war. Can I get an amen for that? Jesus has won the victory already. He died on the cross. He defeated death. He loves you, and he's provided a way. We can't fear Satan. As C.S. Lewis teaches, taught, I should say, as he taught, uh, the opposite of Satan is not God. 
His, his counterpart equal is actually Michael, the other archangel. If you look at the Bible, you see that Lucifer, who fell and became who we know now as Satan, Lucifer was an archangel with Gabriel and Michael. Okay, those are the three archangels. He fell and he took a third of the angels with him. He's called the anointed guardian cherub in Ezekiel 28. He's called the ruler of the demons in Luke eleven fifteen. He's called the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4. That's a little g God. But his domain is this present earth. That's why the Bible calls it this present darkness. He is the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians 2, 2. We saw that a few months ago. He is accuser of God's people in Zechariah 3. He distorts God's word in Matthew 4. He blinds people to the gospel in 2 Corinthians 4. He hinders God's servants, 1 Thessalonians 2.18. He condemns the new believer in 1 Timothy 3.6. If you're a new believer out there, the enemy is accusing you and condemning you. If you're a Christian, if you're a brother or sister in Christ, you have an accuser, somebody who wants to get in your mind and whisper lies to you that are not true about your identity. That's the enemy that we're fighting. We could go on and on with scripture passages, but he is a threat and we have to be aware of him. We have to keep our heads on a swivel. So this is very much an awareness message. And I know some of us need to wake up and hear that. I also know that some of you are aware and you've been praying, you've been calling out to God and you just don't see any movement. That's a real part of the spiritual battle as well. If you're in that place, and you just don't know where God is. We can talk about this more. But you have to keep faith. And that means maybe, just maybe, you need to actually call out to God more specifically, more urgently. And you need to ask him to reveal something to you that you've never seen before. Get past this shallow, consumer Christian faith that just sounds good in a science book and just makes logical sense. I mean, I love the logical side. I love, um, I love all of that. Apologetics, I love proving our faith. It's wonderful. It makes sense. But there is aspects of the Christian faith, spiritually speaking, that we cannot wrap our minds around, we'll never understand, and we have no answers for. Start calling out to God to make a difference, to do something that you've never seen him do before. If that's where you're at right now in your life. We were cleaning the house. We did a deep clean yesterday. I don't know about anybody else, but being in the house nonstop, not going anywhere, not cleaning the house for Life Group, it just made our house uh, pretty much subpar to where it normally is. Julie keeps a very clean house, but it was not up to our normal standards. So we were cleaning everything yesterday, and I came across this old shoebox of when Julie and I had some, uh, some stuff I had saved from when we were newlyweds. I had some of our, I had the ticket, the, the plane ticket that we, that we used to fly to, Chicago, like to, to Colorado where I proposed to her. All this stuff. And I pulled up this piece of paper. I completely forgot about it. But it was a piece of paper. I had scribbled down this message. And I'm, not, I'm only saying this to help you see that God is real and he does things beyond us. I wrote down on this piece of paper, um, I had the date there. It was like November 2011. And I said, we've been married for 100 days. I have $45 to my name. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that God's going to do some amazing things in this next year. And then I like said, open this in a certain date. And I showed it to Julie. I forgot that happened. And I started thinking about that. Oh yeah, that was when we had all these medical bills. Julie had this terrible kidney surgery. Like there was all these things that were hitting us right when we got married. 
We had no money. I had $45 left. That was it. I had rent coming up. God provided groceries at our doorstep. Somebody sent me a check in the mail for $600 out of the blue. I still don't know who it was. The point is, I'm not saying this to say, hey, I worked hard and look at me. I'm saying this to say God does amazing spiritual things that we have no answers for. He's done that with this church. I could just, I could sit, spend the rest of the night talking about all the things God has done to provide for this church. But he will keep doing it, and this is who we serve. This message isn't just for awareness. This is awareness for resistance. And what you have to remember is that you can stand strong and resist the spiritual attacks that the enemy is waging against you daily. You can do that by being strengthened with an inner strength that's outside of yourself and armoring up with the spiritual gifts that God has provided. Those are the things that you have to do. So how do you stand firm and resist in the evil day? I mentioned James 4 earlier when I talked about resistance. Let me read you James 4, 7 through 10. This is where it really gets good. I could give you a catchy quote myself, but you won't remember it. It's better to hear the word of God straight from the pages of God's word. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. That's a promise right there. But do you see the heaviness and the gravity of what you have to do sometimes? Sometimes you have to humble yourself and mourn. You have to get on your knees. Spiritual warfare is not easy. And there's marriages that are being attacked. I mean, just the simple fact that we have all been at home for so long. I mean, mental health has never been at an all-time low. I don't think it's, it's never been worse than it is right now. There's domestic abuse. There are so many things happening. I know they're happening. My wife and I have felt our marriage being attacked just this last week. Of course it has, because I'm speaking on spiritual warfare. We all need to do this together. We need to support one another. We have to stop hoping for this life to be a blissful utopia. It's not an endless carton of Mayfield ice cream. Now, of course, God wants you to laugh. He wants you to have joy and peace. And the entire narrative of Scripture gives plenty of room for all of that. We can have a peace that passes understanding, but you're never going to get there if you don't wake up and engage in the spiritual warfare that we are all in. Jesus said to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. And we have nothing to fear because Jesus won the victory. We can't give the devil too much credit. We can't pretend he dominates because he doesn't. But we also have to not pretend that he's just not there. And pastoring is an easy job. Uh, when I started pastoring, I read a book by Paul David Tripp and called, it called Dangerous Calling. And there's stuff in that book will make, that'll make your hair stand on end. And I'm just saying that because I want you to know that I can relate with you. We are all in a spiritual warfare battle. So don't feel sorry for me. Don't, don't think that you're the only one out there either, though, because we're all feeling it. Satan is using this new opportunity 
to fight people like he's never fought them before in new ways. I mean, kids are feeling it too. Kids haven't been able to go to school and be with their friends. We have to show them grace. We have to remember that when, when you want to pull your hair out sometimes. This series is about the enemy that's fighting against us, but it's giving us the battle plan to have a victory, to put on the whole armor of God, to humble yourself, to get on your knees, to realize, wake up, this is not easy. To live a life where we push back the darkness and the gates of hell will not prevail against us is not an easy endeavor. It can only be done through the strength that comes from his might. So if you're trying to do it in your own strength, it'll last for a while, but it won't last forever. So run to Jesus, call out on his name, and he will give you a strength that you've never had any other way. We can shake mountains and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Satan is still fighting battles, but Jesus has already won the war. Worship team, you can come on up right now if, we, if you're still planning on it. Are y'all still planning on doing one more song? Okay, good, good. I know our keyboard, yeah. Nothing's gonna stop us from coming out here and worshiping. <laughs> hey, can we give one more round of applause for the worship team to be out here? They've been doing such an amazing job. And thank you for braving the elements. Thank you for coming out here as well. Um, we'll, we'll probably do the same thing next week. And I just can't wait. I mean, this has been amazing to see like 80 of you out here in the open air. This is just amazing. This is just so good. But let's not fall asleep. And let's not be discouraged either. We have a Savior who loves us. And we have a Savior who will fight for us. We have to cling to him like we've never clinged to him before. Let's pray.